0: Hi, Dave O'Meara here. This is For The Record program number 1,318. How Many Lies Before You Belong to the Lies, part 27. This is being recorded on January 3rd of the year 2024. Well, happy bleeping new year and all that sort of stuff. Uh, I don't think it's going to be very happy. Speaking personally... Uh, I am not a pacifist, or haven't been, but I am so sick of hearing about war and killing. And I am just, oh man, too much, and I think the world is coming to an end. Anyway, very quickly, uh, if you like podcasts, uh, the Sister Station WFMU is podcasting for the record. Links at the top of each written for the record description and each Food for Thought post will enable you to subscribe to subscribe, easy for me to say, uh, to the WFNU podcast. At the top of each, once again, written for the record description and each food-for-thought post, there's also a link that will enable you to get the 32-gigabyte flash drive with all of my life's work printed and recorded, plus a mini-library of old anti-fascist books on easy-to-download PDF files, brilliant comments by our contributing editor fractal and basically everything that is on the SpitfireList.com website. It is current as of for the record, 1310, and has all of my work on the coronavirus on it. Uh, Again, there's a link at the top of each written for the record description and each food-for-thought post that will enable you to obtain that flash drive. I get no money whatsoever from that, inasmuch as as that's my entire life's work. Uh, Perhaps that gives substance to my critics' worst claims that I am nuts. Anyway, speaking of nuts... Uh, the world is going insane, even as we hear these, uh, strident charges of anti-Semitism, what, and what not, uh, sometimes from students or sometimes toward feckless university professors, uh, one of the things that is absolutely surreal for me is the normalization of Nazis. By the way, the title from the program comes from the autobiography from the late brilliant political comedian Mort Saul, who in his 1976 autobiography, Heartland, uh, asked that question, how many lies before you belong to the lies? By the way, Henry Kissinger shuffled off the mortal coil, what Saul observed that, uh, quote, political satire died the day Henry Kissinger got the Nobel Peace Prize. Indeed. Um, One of the things that has not received the attention, (laughs) received the attention, do it, one of the absolutely surreal things about all the charges of anti-Semitism and what have you, is that with the Ukraine war, Nazis are being normalized, even praised as heroes. I think that's, uh, far-fetched. Uh, on page seven of the Western print edition of the New York Times of November 26, 2023, there's a full-page ad for a film by Bernard-Henri Lévy called Glory to the Heroes, and it is glorifying the Ukrainian combatants. Glory to the Heroes was the, was the cheer, the salute of the OUNB and UPA combatants in World War II. It also has become the salute for the contemporary Ukrainian military and police and intelligence services. It is a fascist salute, and now it is being uh, portrayed uh, on a, in full-page ads for the Bernard-Henri Levy film. Even as Mr. Levy and others decry. Anti-Semitism. Large percentage of the guards at Auschwitz came from that organization. More from the New York Times, a wonderful little Christmas present. This New, York, New York Times, Western print edition from December 25th 2023. Trapped in a steel plant, he was ready to die but not surrender. It's by Mark Santora. And uh, it talks about a fellow, uh, a member of the Azov Regiment. But it, you wouldn't know that, on March 14th, he enlisted in the Azov Regiment, a former far-right militia group. No, it's not former, anything. But again, the the normalization, even glorification of Nazis. Remember where the Azov came from, uh excerpting we think we've said this before, from Covert Action Magazine of march twenty third, twenty nineteen, an article by McLen, Lagol, L'aruel, L A R U E L L E, and Ellen Rivera. Imagine Geographies of Central and Eastern Europe. The concept of inframarium, unquote. And the talks about Roman Zvaric. And he was uh, Yaroslav Spetsko's personal secretary in the early 1980s. Yaroslav Spetsko was the wartime president or leader of the Nazi satellite state of Ukraine and uh, not only endorsed but implemented the Nazis' ethnic cleansing programs in Ukraine. He then became the head of the uh, OUNB and uh, the anti-Bolshevik bloc of nations. And uh, his personal secretary in the 1980s was Roman Svarich, excerpting from this. The co-founder of the CUN and formerly Yaroslav Spetsko's private secretary, the U.S.-born Roman Svarich, born in 1953, represents a younger generation of the Ukrainian emigre community active during the Cold War and a direct link from the ABN to the Azov Battalion. Zvorich participated in the activities of the anti-Bolshevik bloc of nations in the 1980s. In February of 2005, after Viktor Yushchenko's election, Zvorich was appointed Minister of Justice. According to Andrei Boletsky, the first commander of the Azov Battalion, a civil paramilitary unit created in the wake of the Euromaidan, Zvorak was head of the headquarters of the Azov Central Committee in 2015 and supported the Azov Battalion with, quote, volunteers, unquote, and political advice through his Zvorak Foundation. The point being that Roman Storch, a direct link from the Ukrainian fascism of the World War II period to the Azov and other uh, fascist combatant elements of contemporary Ukraine. By the way, Storch was also appointed Minister of Justice in the Yushchenko administration or regime, as well as both regimes of Yulia Tymoshenko. That is the equivalent of Attorney General in the United States. So again, a direct line from the Ukrainian fascism of the World War II period to Ukrainian fascism today. But of course, now they're being lionized. Lionized by the New Times, lionized by only Bernard Levy, and uh, ain't we got fun. But no, no anti-Semitism there, uh-uh. And speaking of Azov's, and uh, speaking of uh, the unwillingness or inability of journalists in this country to identify same, from the Gray Zone of November 24th of 2023, an article by Alexander Rubenstein, U.S. government-linked Ukraine activists hold pro-Nazi Veterans Day rally outside the White House. A recent rally in front of the White House featuring Nazi iconography has been wholly ignored by the same mainstream media outlets pushing the narrative of rising anti-Semitism. The two B.C.-based organizations behind the events collaborated with the Biden administration on a similar event last February. February. This Veterans Day on November 11th, passers-by outside the White House gates were met with the sight of of protest signs bearing Nazi-inspired wolf sangles and protesters performing fascist salutes. While the rally may have fallen under the radar of the mainstream press or was deliberately ignored, the U.S. government-owned Voice of America provided extensive coverage through their Ukraine branch. One photograph embedded in the story features Ukraine war veteran Roman Koshpor flanked by the White House and performing a fascist salute. Astonishingly, the second shot of the outlet's video report features a Wolf Rally-goers championed, bring our heroes home and make Russia pay, unquote. Voice of America interviewed the Rally's organizer, Natalia Shaporinska, Whose talking, whose talking points sounded as though they could have come from the Ukrainian embassy itself. Quote, our main message today is for, quote, our main message today is a call for the release of prisoners, defenders of Azovstal, like the hero uh, of Rahmat in the New York Times. We are now asking the United States for help to free them as soon as possible. Schaparinska has collaborated directly with the Biden administration during past initiatives. As revealed in the Gray Zone, she and a coterie of activists with long-standing ties to neo-Nazi militias managed to arrange for high-level Biden administration officials to speak at a rally this February. This past February. The two D.C.-based groups which organized the efforts, United Help Ukraine and U.S.-Ukrainian activists, enjoyed close ties to the Ukrainian embassy. U.S.-Ukrainian activist is led by Nadia Shapolinska, who also co-founded United Help Ukraine. The latter is led by Panya Albade, A-L-B-A-D-E. In February, The Grey Zone reported that Albade listed her employer as the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission on LinkedIn, an account which she has since deleted. This August, Shapolinska was awarded the Ukrainian Order of Merit by President Volodymyr Zelensky. When the president visited the U.S. the following month, he personally presented her with the award. This past February, U.S.-Ukrainian activists and another group co-founded by Shapovinska called United Help Ukraine held a rally commemorating the start of the war in Ukraine, which featured the United States Agency for International Development Director Samantha Power as its keynote speaker. USAID, of course, has long-served as a cover for various intelligence activities, particularly CIA. It was the co-founder of the EcoHelp help Alliance, of Peter Bashek, along with the Pentagon, uh, that uh, was deeply implicated in the synthesizing of the uh, virus that ultimately was uh, cited as, uh, ultimately precipitated the COVID epidemic. This past February, uh, one more time. This past February, U.S. Ukrainian activists and another group co-founded by Shapovinska called United Help Ukraine held a rally commemorating, commemorating the start of the war in Ukraine. It featured the United States Agency for International Development Director Samantha Power as its key speaker. The Biden administration, Assistant Secretary of State for European and Eurasian Affairs, Karen Donfried, D-O-N-F-R-I-E-D, and other local and federal officials also joined the rally. Since the Maidan coup in 2014, Abave and Shapovinska have fundraised and advocated for Ukrainian fascist groups ranging from the Azov Battalion, the Adar Battalion, Wet Sector, and the Georgian National Legion, as the Gray Zone has reported. Albavé, who appears to work for the U.S. government, has been described by her organization, United Help Ukraine, as a quote, true banderite, unquote, or a follower of the World War II era Nazi collaborator and mass murderer of Jews and Poles, Stefan Bandera. In a 2015 Facebook post featuring a photo of herself, Shaparinska, and a representative of the fascist right sector organization, Albavé wrote, quote, we support Dmitry Garrosh, unquote, Referring to, to the group's nation, ultra-nationalist leader who once vowed to, quote, de-Russify Ukraine, although they describe herself and other local activists in the group as, quote, right sectorist DC branch, unquote. For her part, Shapominska once hosted a charity concert featuring Georgian warlord, Georgian warlord, Mamuka. Mam- Mamulashvili as its guest of honor. The Grey Zone has documented numerous allegations of war crimes committed by Mamoulashvili's mercenary group, the Georgian National Legion. The warlord has personally implied that executing Russian prisoners of war is Georgian Legion policy. Just months prior to the Georgian Legion event, Shapominska and company held another charity concert for the Azov Battalion. At the time, Azov was led by Andrei Boletsky, a an overtly fascist militant who was recently filled with receiving a medal of commendation from Zelensky. Boletsky has vowed to, quote, lead the white races of the world in a final crusade against Semite-led intervention, unquote, and described the enemy of his movement as Jews and the political forces led by the, quote, real masters, unquote, who also happened to be Jews. As the global focus shifts from Ukraine to Israel-Palestine, the Biden administration has taken what it describes as a, quote, landmark step to counter anti-Semitism, unquote, framing criticism of the genocide in Gaza as anti-Jewish hatred. Meanwhile, the administration continues to ignore the flamboyant fascism of the Ukrainian operatives in its orbit, even as it sends top foreign policy officials to appear at their rallies. Indeed. Uh, that speaks for itself. Once again, Nazis rallying outside the White House for Veterans Day. Nobody knows nothing. DOA covers it, but doesn't talk about what was really there. <clears throat> and, uh, it is something that, uh, really needs to be, well, outed. And, uh, I don't think it is going to be. Uh, A stunning development took place a short time ago, this past fall, and that was a standing ovation given on the floor of the Canadian Parliament for Jaroslav Hunka, last name H-U-N-K-A. He was an officer with the 14th Waffen-SS Division, a Galician Waffen-SS Division. Again, he was given a standing ovation on the floor of the Canadian Parliament, and this is a, a, an officer in a waffen ss unit during World War II. because <laughs> the head of the, the first head of the Palestinian national movement was also a, uh, had the rank of major general in the waffen ss but uh, again No discussion of uh, anti-Semitism in the Canadian Parliament. Apparently, the Canadian Jewish community didn't like it too much, but it has been glossed over for the most part. My guess is uh, a great many members of the audience have not heard of it at all. Turning now to the gray zone of September 26th of 2023, Canada's armor This is an article by Max Blumenthal. Canada's armoring of Nazi vet exposes Ottawa's long-standing Ukraine policy. By celebrating a Waffen-SS volunteer as a, quote, hero, unquote... Canada's Liberal Party highlighted a long-standing policy that has seen Ottawa Ukrainian fascist militants in Ukraine while welcoming in thousands of post-war Nazi SS veterans. Canada's second most powerful official, Christian Friedland, is the granddaughter of one of Nazi Germany's top Ukrainian propagandists. In the spring of 1943, Yaroslav Hunka was a fresh-faced soldier in the 14th Grenadier Division of the Waffen SS Galicia when his division received a visit from the architect of Nazi Germany's genocidal policies, Heinrich Himmler. Having presided over the battalion's formation, Himmler was visibly proud of the Ukrainians who had volunteered to support the Third Reich's efforts. Eighty years later, the Speaker of Canada's Parliament, Anthony Rota, also beamed with pride after inviting Hungary to a reception for Volodymyr Zelensky, where the Ukrainian president lobbied for more arms and financial assistance for his country's war against Russia. Well, we have in the chamber today Ukrainian. War veteran from the Second World War who fought for Ukrainian independence against the Russians and continues to support the troops today even at his age of 98 will be declared during the September 22nd parliamentary event in Ottawa. His name is Yaroslav Hunka, but I am very proud to say he is from North Bay and from my riding of Nipissing-Timikaming. He is a Ukrainian hero, a Canadian hero, and we thank him for all his service continued. Gales of applause erupted throughout the crowd as Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, Zelensky, Deputy Prime Minister Christian Freeland, Canadian Chief of Defense General Wayne Eyre, and leaders of all Canadian parties rose from their seats to applaud Hunker's war upon service. Since the exposure of Hooker's record as a Nazi collaborator, which should have been obvious as soon as the speaker announced him, Canadian leaders, with the notable exception of air, have rushed to issue superficial, face-saving apologies as withering condemnations poured in from Canadian Jewish organizations. The incident is now a major national scandal, occupying space on the cover of Canadian papers like the Toronto Sun, which quip, quote, did not see that coming, unquote. Nazi, of course, capital N-A-Z-I. Meanwhile, Poland's education minister has announced plans to seek Hunter's criminal extradition. The Liberal Party has attempted to downplay the affair as an accidental blunder, with one Liberal MP urging her colleagues to, quote, avoid politicizing this incident, unquote. Melanie Jolie, Canada's foreign minister has forced Luther's resignation, seeking to turn the speaker into a scapegoat for her party's collective actions. Trudeau, meanwhile, pointed to the, quote, deeply embarrassing, unquote, event as a reason to, quote, push back against Russian propaganda. Unquote, as though the Kremlin somehow smuggled an and nazi collaborator into Parliament, then hypnotized the prime minister and his colleagues Manchurian candidate style, into celebrating him as a hero. To be sure, the incident was no gaff. Before Canada's government and military brass celebrated Hunka in parliament, they had provided diplomatic support to fascist hooligans fighting to install a nationalist government in Kiev and oversaw the training of contemporary Ukrainian military formations openly committed to the fervorance of Nazi ideology. Atala's celebration of Hunka has also lifted the cover on the country's post-World War II policy of naturalizing known Ukrainian Nazi collaborators and weaponizing them as domestic anti-communist shock troops. The post-war integration wave included the grandfather of Deputy Prime Minister capital Freeland, Freeland, who functioned as one of Hitler's top Ukrainian propagandists inside Nazi-occupied Poland. By the way, uh, in what will probably be part two of this series, we're going to take a look at the media's uh, basically uh, rehabilitation and uh, political revisionism with regard to the Holocaust. Very, very interesting indeed. In the midst of all this, discussion of quote antisemitism unquote the celebration of Hunka has also lifted the cover on the country's post-World War II policy of naturalizing Ukrainian Nazi collaborators and weaponizing them as domestic anti-communist shock troops. Again, p- repeating the last paragraph, the post-war immigration wave included the grandfather of Deputy Prime Minister, Minister Christian Freeland, who functioned as one of Hitler's top Ukrainian propagandists inside Nazi-occupied Poland. Though Canadian officialdom has worked to suppress this sort of record, it has resurfaced in dramatic fashion through Hunker's appearance in Parliament and the unsettling contents of his online diaries. We welcome the German soldiers with joy, unquote. The next section here. In the March 2011 edition of the Journal of the Association of Ukrainian Ex-Combatants in the U.S., contains an unsettling diary entry which had gone unnoticed until recently. Authored by Garoslav Hunka, the journal contained, the journal consisted of proud reflections on volunteering for the 14th Grenadier Division of the Waffen-SS Galicia. Hunka described the Nazi Wehrmacht as, quote, mystical German knights, unquote, when they first arrived in his hometown of Berizhany, capital B-E-R-A-Z-H-A-N-Y, and recalled his own service in the Waffen-SS as the happiest time in his life. Again, this is the guy who's given them a standing ovation on the floor of the Canadian Parliament. In my sixth grade, he wrote, Out of 40 students, there were six Ukrainians, two Poles, and the rest were Jewish children of refugees from Poland. We wondered why they were running away from such a civilized Western nation as the Germans, unquote. The Jewish Virtual Library details the extermination of Berejami's Jewish population at the hands of the, quote, civilized, unquote, Germans. Quote, in 1941, at the end of Soviet occupation, 12,000 Jews were living in Berejami, most of them refugees fleeing the horrors of the Nazi war machine in Europe. During the Holocaust on October first, 1941, five to 700 Jews were executed by the Germans in the nearby quarries. On December 18th, another 1,200 listed as poor by the Juden lot were shot in the forest. On Yom Kippur, 1942, September 21st, 1,000 to 1,500 were deported to Belzec, and hundreds murdered in the streets and in their homes. On Hanukkah, December 4th and 5th, hundreds more were sent to Belzec, and on June 12, 1943, the last 1,700 Jews of the ghetto and labor camp were liquidated, with only a few individuals escaping. Less than 100 Berejani Jews survived the war, unquote. When Soviet forces helped control the Berejani, Hunker said he and his neighbors longed for the arrival of Nazi Germany. Every day, he recalled, we looked impatiently in the direction of the Pomerani, the Vogue, with the hope that those mystical German mites who give bullets to the hated Lyaks were about to appear. Lyak is a derogatory Ukrainian term for Poles. Uh, and again, <laughs> does, that sound a little, does this a sound a little anti-Semitic? How about the uh, liquidation of the town of Berejani? Uh, that's Honka's hometown. Uh, the liquidation of this Jewish population. Does that sound anti-Semitic? Continuing. In July of 1941, when the Nazi German army entered Berejani, Hooker breathed a sigh of relief. Quote, We welcome the German soldiers with joy, he wrote. People felt a fall, knowing that there would no longer be that dreaded knock on the door in the middle of the night, and at least it would be possible to sleep peacefully now, unquote. Two years later, Hunker joined the 1st Division of the Galician SS-14th Grenadier Brigade, a unit formed under the personal orders of Heinrich Himmler. When Himmler inspected the Ukrainian volunteers in May of 1943, he was accompanied by Otto von Wacker, the Nazi-appointed governor of Galicia, who established the Jewish ghetto in Kwa Your homeland has become so much more beautiful since you have lost on our initiative, I must say. Those residents who was so often a dirty blemish on Galicia's good name, namely the Jews, unquote. Himmler reportedly told the Ukrainian troops, I know that if I ordered you to liquidate the poles, I would be giving you permission to do what you were eager to do anyway, unquote. In the next section, <clears throat> Hitler's elite torturers and murderers have been, pa- have been passed on RCMP orders, unquote. That's the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Following the year, following the war, excuse me, Canada's liberal government classified thousands of Jewish refugees as quote, enemy aliens unquote, and held them alongside former Nazis in a network of internment camps enclosed with barbed wire, fearing that they would infect their new country with communism. At the same time, Ottawa placed thousands of Ukrainian veterans of Hitler's army on the fast track to citizenship. The Ukrainian-Canadian newsletter, lamented on April 1st, 1948, quote, Some of the new citizens are outright Nazis who served in the German army and police. It is reported that individuals tattooed with the dreaded SS, Hitler's elite torturers and murderers, have been passed on RCMP orders and after being turned down by screening agencies in Europe, unquote. The Journal described the unreformed Nazis as anti-communist shock troops whose, quote, Ideological leaders are already busy fomenting World War III, propagating a new world holocaust in which Canada will perish, unquote. In 1997, the Canadian branch of the Simon Wiesenthal Center charged the Canadian government with having admitted over 2,000 veterans of the 14th Volunteer Waffen-SS Grenadier Division. That same year, 60 Minutes released a special, Canada's Dark Secret, unquote, revealing that some 1,000 Nazi SS veterans from Baltic states had been granted citizenship by Canada after the war. Irving Abella, A-B-E-L-L-A, a -A, a Canadian historian, told 60 Minutes that the easiest way to get into the country, quote, was by showing the SS tattoo. This proved that you were an anti-communist, unquote. Abella also alleged Prime Minister Pierre Trudeau, Justin's father explained to him that his government kept silent about the Nazi immigrants, quote, because they were afraid of exacerbating relationships between Jews and Eastern European ethnic communities. Unquote. Yaroslav Hunka was among the post-war wave of Ukrainian Nazi veterans welcomed by Canada. According to the city council website of Berejani, he arrived in Ontario in 1954 and promptly, quote, became a member of the Fraternity of Soldiers of the 1st Division of the U.N.A., affiliated to the World Congress of Free Ukrainians, unquote. Also among the new generation of Ukrainian Canadians was Michael Chomiak, C-H-O-M-I-A-K, the grandfather of Canada's second most powerful official, Chrystia Freeland. Throughout her career as a journalist and Canadian diplomat, Freeland has advanced her grandfather's legacy of anti-Russian agitation while repeatedly exalting wartime Nazi collaborators during public events. During a March 2, 2020 rally, Canadian Deputy PM Christian Freeland proudly displayed the banner of the Ukrainian partisan organization which fought alongside Nazi Germany during World War II. In the next section, Canada welcomes Hitler's top Ukrainian propagandists, uh, this referring to uh, Mr. Tromiak. Throughout the German occupation of Poland, the Ukrainian journalist Michael Chomiak served as one of Hitler's top propagandists. Based in Krakow, Tromiak edited an anti-Semitic publication called uh, The Krakow News on what happened to Ukrainian, which led the Nazi invasion of the Soviet Union. The German army is bringing us our cherished freedom, unquote, the paper proclaimed in 1941, and glorified Hitler while rallying Ukrainian support for the Waffen-SS Galicia volunteers. Chumiak spent much of the war living in two spacious Krakow apartments that had been seized from their Jewish owners by the Nazi occupiers. He wrote that he moved numerous pieces of furniture belonging to a certain Dr. Finkelstein, unquote, to another Aryanized apartment placed under his control. Michael Chilmiak, uh, in Canada, Chilmiak participated in the Ukrainian-Canadian Committee, or UCC, which incubated hardcore nationalist sentiment among diaspora members while lobbying Ottawa for hardline anti-Soviet policies. On this website, the UCC boasted of receiving direct Canadian government assistance during World War II. Quote, the final and conclusive impetus for, quote, establishing the UCC came from the National War Services of Canada, which was anxious that young Ukrainians enlist in military services, unquote. The UCC's first president, Volodymyr Kubyovich, had served as Trumiak's boss back in Krakow. He also played a part in the establishment of the 14th Grenadier Division of the Waffen-SS Galicia, announcing upon its formation, quote, This historic day was made possible by the conditions to create a worthy opportunity for the Ukrainians of Galicia to fight arm in arm with the heroic German soldiers of the army and the Waffen-SS against Bolshevism, your and our, yours and ours deadly enemy. The next Friedland nurtures media career as undercover regime change agent in Soviet-era Ukraine. Following his death in 1984, Shomiak's granddaughter, Christian Friedland, followed in his footsteps as a reporter for various nationalist publications. This is very important because note how this, uh, basically, a, 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 a cheerleader for Ukrainian fascism uh, was able to appoint to be appointed to media organizations which are giving you the quote truth unquote again serpents walk anybody beginning again following his death in 1984 filmiac's granddaughter christian Friedman followed in his footsteps as a reporter for various ukrainian nationalist publications she was an early contributor to the Kubi-Ovich's Encyclopedia of Ukraine, which whitewashed the record of Nazi collaborators like Stefan Bandera, referring to him as a, quote, revolutionary, unquote. Next, she took a staff position at the Edmonton-based Ukrainian News, where her grandfather had served as editor. A 1988 edition of Ukrainian News featured an article co-authored by Freeland, followed by an ad for a book called Fighting for Freedom, unquote, which glorified the Ukrainian Waffen-SS Division. During Freeland's time as an exchange student in the Love, Ukraine, she laid the foundations for her meteoric rise to journalistic success. From behind cover as a Russian literature major at Harvard University, Freelon collaborated with local regime change activists while feeding anti-Soviet narratives to international media bigwigs. Quote, countless tendentious, unquote, news stories about life in the Soviet Union, especially for its non-Russian citizens, have her fingerprints As Ms. Freeland set about making a name for herself in journalistic circles with an eye to her future prospects, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation reported. Citing KGB files, the CBC described Freeland as a de facto intelligence agent. Quote, the student causing so many headaches clearly loathed the Soviet Union, but she knew its laws inside, out, and inside and out, how to use them to her advantage. She skillfully hid her actions, avoided surveillance, quote, and shared that knowledge with her Ukrainian contacts, and expertly trafficked, in quote, misinformation. In 1989, Soviet security agents rescinded freelance visa when they called her Snowden, quote, a veritable how-to guide for running an election, unquote, into the country for Ukrainian nationalist candidates. She quickly transitioned back to journalism, landing gigs in post-Soviet Moscow for the Financial Times and The Economist, and eventually rising to global editor-at-large of Reuters, the UK-based media giant which today functions as a cutout for British intelligence operations against Russia. And can notice the publications she, she worked for. She quickly transitioned back to journalism, including landing gigs in post-Soviet Moscow for the Financial Times and Economist, and eventually rising to global editor-at-large of Reuters. And that's surreal. The next section, Canada trains and protects Nazis in post-Nadon Ukraine. When Freelon won a seat as a liberal member of Canada's parliament in 2013, she established her most powerful platform yet to agitate for regime change in Russia. Milking her journalistic connections, she published op-eds in top legacy papers like the New York Times, urging militant support from Western capitals for Ukraine's so-called revolution of dignity, unquote, which saw the violent removal of a democratically elected president and his replacement with a nationalist government in twenty fourteen. In the midst of the coup attempt, a group of neo Nazi thugs belonging to the Combat 14 organization occupied Kiev City Council and vandalized the building with Ukrainian nationalist insignia and white supremacist symbols, including a Confederate flag. When riot police chased the fascist hooligans away on February 18, 2014, they took shelter in the Canadian embassy with the apparent consent of the Conservative administration in Ottawa. Quote, Canada was sympathizing with the protesters at the time more than the Ukrainian government, unquote. A Ukrainian interior ministry official recalled call to the Canadian Broadcast, Broadcasting Corporation. And again, these are uh, Combat 14. Uh, that, by the way, is named after the 14 words on international white supremacist slogan or Nazi slogan minted by David Lane, who drove the getaway car for the Nazi group The Orvis assassination of Denver talk show host, Alan Berg. It says a lot that one of the two major auxiliary police organizations in Ukraine would be named after an international white supremacist-slash-Nazi slogan minted by David Lane. Just surreal. And, uh, of course, Western media won't talk about it, but then again, when you have the likes of Christian Freeland uh, writing for the Financial Ponds, The Economist, and eventually Rogers, what do you expect? Official Canadian support for neo-Nazi militants in Ukraine intensified after the 2015 election of the Liberal Party's Justin Trudeau. In November of 2017, the Canadian military and U.S. Department of Defense dispatched several officers to Kiev for a multinational training session with Ukraine's Azov Battalion. One more time. In November of 2017, the Canadian military and U.S. Department of Defense dispatched several officers to Kiev for a multinational national training session with Ukraine's Azov Battalion. Azov has since deleted the record of the session from its website. Azov was controlled at the time by Andrei Beletsky, the self-proclaimed, quote, white leader, unquote, who declared, again, quoting, the historic mission of our nation in this critical moment is to lead the white races of the world in a final crusade for their survival, a crusade against the Semite-led Undimension, unquote. And then the next section, as Nazi family history surfaces, free land lies to the public. Back in Canada... Freelance troubling family history was surfacing for the first time in the media. Weeks after she was appointed in January 2017 as foreign minister, opposed she predictably explained, exploited to thunder for sanctions on Russia one more time. Back in Canada, freelance troubling family history was surfacing for the first time in the media. Weeks after she was appointed in January 2017 as foreign minister, opposed she particularly flo- exploited the thunder for sanctions on Russia and arms shipments to Ukraine. Her grandfather's role as a Nazi propagandist in occupied Poland became the subject of a raft of reports in the alternative press. The federal government responded to factual reports by accusing Russia of waging a, quote, waging a campaign of cyber warfare. Quote, the situation is obviously one where we need to be alert. And that is why the Prime Minister has, among other things, encouraged a complete re-examination of our cybersecurity systems, Unquote. Public Safety Minister Ralph Goodale declared. Yet few, if any, of the outlets responsible for excavating Chomiak's history have any connection to Russia's government. Among the first to expose his collaboration was Consortium News, an independent U.S.-based media organization. For her part, Freeland deployed a spokesperson to lie to the public, flatly denying that, quote, the minister's grandfather was a Nazi collaborator, unquote. When Canadian media quoted several Russian diplomats about the allegations, Freeland promptly ordered their deportation, accusing them of exploiting their diplomatic status, quote, to interfere in our democracy, unquote. By this time, however, her family secrets had tumbled out of the attic and onto the pages of mainstream Canadian media. On March 7, 2017, The Globe and Mail reported on a 1996 article in the Journal of Ukrainian Studies confirming that Freeland's grandfather had indeed been a Nazi propagandist and that his writing helped fuel the Jewish genocide. The article was authored by Freeland's uncle, John Paul Himka, H-I-M-K-A, who thanked his niece in its preface for helping him with quote, problems and clarifications, unquote. Freeland knew for more than two decades that her maternal Ukrainian grandfather was the chief editor of a Nazi newspaper in occupied Poland that vilified Jews during the Second World War, unquote, the Globe and Mail noted. After being caught on camera this September, clapping with unrestrained zeal alongside hundreds of peers for a veteran for a Ukrainian veteran of Hitler's SS death squads, Friedland once again invoked her authority to scrub the incident from her record. Three days after the embarrassing scene, Friedland was back on the floor of parliament, nodding in approval as Liberal House leader Karina Gould, quote, introduced a resolution to strike from the appendix of the House Commons debates, unquote and from any House media recording, the recognition made by Speaker Anthony Rota of Yaroslav Hunka. Of course, the media haven't talked much about it either. Uh, stop and ask yourselves, how many of you heard about a, uh, a, a Waffen-SS officer getting a standing ovation on the floor of the Canadian Parliament? And again, given that the Deputy Prime Minister of... Uh, Canada is the buffer of uh, one of the top, uh, of a top Nazi propagandist, Ukrainian Nazi propagandist. Perhaps that's not that surprising. Thanks to decades of officially supported Holocaust education, the monument that demands citizens quote, never forget unquote, has become a guiding light of liberal democracy. In present-day Ottawa, however, this simple piece of moral guidance is now treated as a menace which threatens to unravel careers and undermine the war effort in Ukraine. And, uh, the next article is called, is by Wyatt Reed, Nazi Gate. Canada's top general won't apologize for applauding Ukrainian Waffen-SS that began by Wyatt Reed from the Grey Zone of September 28, 2023. As Canada's top officials express embarrassment for honoring a World War II Nazi collaborator in Parliament, the leader of the country's military, General Wayne Ayer, refuses to apologize for his standing ovation. The Canadian military has trained Ukraine's notorious neo-Nazi Azov Battalion for years. Canadian politicians have been in frantic damage-control mode since feeding a former member of the Waffen-SS during a parliamentary reception for Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky on September 22. The Speaker of Canada's House of Commons, Anthony Rota, resigned following the incident, while Prime Minister Justin Trudeau lamented it as, quote, extremely upsetting, unquote, and opposition leader Pierre Polivier branded the affair, quote, the biggest single diplomatic embarrassment in Canada's history. But amid the, gratu- uh, but amid the gratuitous public rights of... of uh, one more time. But amid the gratuitous public rights of contrition, one influential official has been conspicuously absent, Canada's highest-ranking general. According to the Ottawa Citizen, Chief of the Defense Staff General Wayne Eyre has, quote, Declined to apologize for his standing ovation, unquote, for Yaroslav Hunka, the now notorious 98-year-old former member of the 14th Waffen, Grenad- Waffen Grenadier Division of the SS, whose members gained international infamy for hunting down anti-Nazi partisans, massacring thousands of civilians, and burning hundreds of Polish villagers alive the notion that the Nazi proclivities of figures like Hunka could have escaped Ayers' notice now appears increasingly remote. In 2017, Ukraine's Azov Battalion published photos on their website publicizing their meeting with high-level Canadian military officials who had arrived in Ukraine to help train the notoriously neo-Nazi-infested unit which was officially incorporated into the Ukrainian National Guard. A year later, Azar posted photos on its official social media channels showing Canadian military attaché Colonel Brian Irwin, IRWIN, meeting with its personnel. Responding to a query from journalist Asa Vinstamley, a Canadian military spokesman justified training the fascist military on the grounds that the session, quote, includes ongoing dialogue on the development of a diverse, and inclusive Ukraine, unquote. Uh, well, that uh, speaks for itself. And uh, an article now, a uh, very brief section from Covert Action Magazine of October 20th of 2023. This is by David Starr, S-T-A-R-R, The Praising of a Ukrainian Nazi-linked veteran in Canada's Parliament, The Legacy of Ukrainian Nazis, as we emerge. And uh, skipping down, OUN fighters killed not only informers, collaborators, and Eastern Ukrainians transferred... One more time, quote, OUN fighters killed not only informers, collaborators, and Eastern Ukrainians transferred to Galicia and Volhynia to work as teachers or administrators, but their families as well. Quote, Soon the Bolsheviks will conduct the grain levy, unquote, they warned on one occasion... Anyone among you who brings grain to the collection point will be killed like a dog and your entire family butchered, unquote. The OUN killed 30,000 people before the Soviet Union wiped out the resistance in 1950. Eventually in 1959, Lazar wrote, that's a fellow who wrote a book about... uh, the, the Bandera. A Soviet agent manually talks about the alleged assassination of Bondera by the KGB. Bogdan Sashinsky actually appears to have been a deep cover OUM operative. Point here that the OUM killed 30,000 people before the Soviet Union wiped out the resistance in 1950. That is an allusion to something we've spoken about in many shows. We've spoken about it in AFA program number one. And we also talked about it in, uh, for the record programs number 1228 and 1229, How Many Lies Before You Belonged the Lies, parts one and two. Uh, long story made short. Uh, the, one of the guerrilla groups that uh, was fighting against the Soviet Union, uh, in the Nazi rear were the werewolves. They also did some fighting against the Americans as well. Radio werewolves' cry was, quote, better dead then red, unquote. That's where that comes from. And the uh, werewolf fighters in Ukraine were under the uh, under the supervision of the uh, monitoring of the Galen Organization, and they essentially jumped from the Nazis to the Galen Organization to the CIA, in effect, changing uniforms. But this was a continuity of combat in Ukraine from the period of World War Two. To the present, and it's worth noting that uh, uh, basically that fact, because it is one of the things that uh, has led us to the position we 're in today. Now, uh, we are undoubtedly not going to have time to finish this article in this program. We will come back to this in our next program as well. And actually, what we'll probably do is to uh, read the, uh, reread the entire article, starting from the beginning. However, a very important article, moving the media revisionism, the that has taken place in the wake of the uh, the Fair Hunka, as a, a, French, a, a French-speaking Canadian might call it. This is from the website of fairness. And accuracy in reporting, uh, from November 24th of 2023. It's by Gregory Shupak, S-H-U-P-A-K. Media Holocaust Revisionism after Canada's Standing Ovation for an SS Vet, for an SS Veteran. And, uh, this is, uh, about what the media had been doing. Now, again, this media revisionism should not be all that surprising in light of the fact that Christian Freeland worked for the uh, Economist, for the Financial Times, and for Reuters. This article reads. Media coverage of the Canadian Parliament's standing ovation in September for Yaroslav Hunka, a 98-year-old Ukrainian-Canadian who fought for the Nazis in World War II, has included egregious Holocaust revisionism. On September 22nd, following Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky's address to the Canadian Parliament, Canada's then Speaker of the House, Anthony Rota, introduced Hunka. We have here in the chamber today a Ukrainian-Canadian veteran from the Second World War who fought for Ukrainian independence against the Russians and continues to support the troops today. Rilke went on to call Hunka a Ukrainian hero, a Canadian hero, and we thank him for all his service. Parliamentarians of all political parties gave Hunka two standing ovations and Zelensky raised his fist to salute the man. Then, the New York-based Forward pointed out that Hunka had fought for the 14th Waffen-Grenadier Division, also known as the Galicia Division of the SS. The SS, short for Schutzstaffel Protection Squadron, was the military wing of Adolf Hitler's Nazi Party. And uh, this next section, a complicated past. You have to tread softly on these issues, unquote, said the main expert used by the CBC. To discuss the topic of Ukraine and Nazism, and by the way, in this article there are numerous uh, citations for what they talk about, and it was uh, covering the subsequent conference of the CBC from September twenty eighth to twenty three, when the headline quote speakers honoring a former Nazi soldier reveals a complicated past, say historians unquote, in the context of the Holocaust quote. Complicated, unquote, functions as a hand waving euphemism that gets in the way of holding predators accountable. If a decision is quote complicated, unquote, it's understandable even if it's wrong. Digital reporter editor Jonathan Mignot, who wrote the piece Soft Pedal the Galicia Division in other ways, too. He said that some of the Ukrainians who joined it did so, quote, for ideological reasons in opposition to the Soviet Union in hopes of creating an independent Ukrainian state, unquote. That's quite a whitewashing of the ideological package that goes with signing up for the SS, leaving out that this vision for, unquote, independent Ukrainian state, unquote, included the extermination of Jewish, LGBTQ, Roma, and Polish minorities. As far as the, quote, hopes of creating an independent Ukrainian state alibi, Per Anders Lubling from the Journal of Slavic Military Studies of 2012 documents that, quote, There is no, vert, there is no overt indication that the unit of Ukrainian law and recruits in any way was dedicated to Ukrainian statehood, let alone independence. That's a surreal piece of analysis, absolutely Surreal. The next, caught between Hitler and Stalin. <clears throat> Toronto Star columnist Heather Malick, M-A-L-L-I-C-K, for, of September 26, 23, mocked Poland for wanting to extradite Hunka, whose unit massacred whole Poles during World War II because, quote, Poland has a notorious history of anti-Semitism, unquote. Toronto Star columnist Heather Malick, also used the word, quote, complicated, unquote, to diminish Nazi atrocities and mock the Polish government's interest in having Hunker extradited for war crimes. me, they've had 73 years to ask Canada before him. It's almost as if Poland has a notorious history of anti-Semitism, but that's crazy talk. Well should have understood how complicated history is, how post-Holubomor, a Ukrainian caught between Hitler and Stalin made a fatal choice. We can hate Hunker for that, we can hate Hunka for that now. I do. But would every Canadian MP have made, quote, immaculate choices inside Stalin's bloodlands in 1943? Of course, you and I would have been heroic, joined the White Rose Movement, been executed for our troubles. But everyone? Malik refers to Ukraine as, quote, Stalin's bloodlands, unquote, citing the Holodomor, the 1930s famine in the Soviet Union that killed an estimated 3.5 million Ukrainians, as well as millions in other parts of the USSR. That part does not get talked about. Yet her link takes readers to a review of the book Bloodlands, Europe Between Hitler and Stalin, which, its own flaws notwithstanding pointed out in the Jacobin Magazine of September 9th of 2014, discusses the killings in Ukraine and elsewhere by Stalin, and on a significantly more egregious scale, Hitler. Acknowledging, acknowledging that the phrase she's borrowing refers to both Soviet crimes and the Nazis' genocides, would have made the choice of joining the Nazis, seem rather less sympathetic. Meanwhile, Malik's baffling comments on Poland erased the Nazis' systematic killing of Polish people. Polish history has indeed been marred by horrific antisemitism, with many Polish people complicit in the Holocaust, as she glibly references. This does not erase the fact that the Nazis also murdered 1.8 million non-Jewish Poles or negate Poland's desire to see their killers brought to justice. As Lev Lincoln in the forward of September 24th, 19- 2023 points out, the Galicia division that Hunka belonged to was visited by SS head Heinrich Himmler, who spoke of the soldiers', quote, willingness to slaughter Poles, unquote. Three months earlier, SS Galashina subunits perpetrated what is known as the Huta pinyaka massacre, bringing 500 to 1,000 Polish villagers alive. And again, we're going to, uh, take this article up because we're almost out of time. We're going to pick this article up in a big way in, uh, the, uh, in our next program. Uh, again, it is, uh, worth noting that the scenario that we're talking about here fits precisely into the Serpent's Walk scenario, Serpent's Walk being the Nazi tract put out by National Vanguard Books in which the descendants of the Nazi SS go underground, build up their uh, their capital, buy into the opinion-forming media, and then after the U.S. is hit by a terrorist incident uh, using... Genetically engineered viruses and uh, martial laws declared, then the Nazis take over. But the key is the historical revisionism to where the Nazis are good guys. And that is exactly what we are witnessing. Right before our eyes. That's why I've spoken about Serpent's Walk. That's why people have given me a lot of a fresh fertilizer about talking about the Bormann Group, saying I think it will prove to be the decisive elements in human affairs. And that in 200 years Hitler's birthday will be, uh, Hitler's birthday will be an international holiday. It's not what I want. It's what I think is going to happen. And, uh, just take a look at the, the Gradual Historical Revisionism. And we will uh, recap that in a big way in our next program. Uh, remember, uh, links at the top of both the written for the record descriptions and the Food for Thought posts, one of which will enable you to subscribe to the podcasts being made by Sister Station WFMU. They are podcasting for the record. And the other will enable you to get the 32-gigabyte flash drive of all of my life's work on it for a very nominal, tax deductible contribution. It is current as of for the record 1310, has all of my work on the coronavirus on it, and it is available uh, for a nominal fee. I get no money whatsoever from that. Perhaps proof uh, that my critics, worst critics' uh, contentions that I am nuts are correct. In any event, this concludes for the record program number 1,318, How Many lies Before You Belong to the lies, part 27. This is being recorded on January 3rd of 2024. Have fun.